Okay, so I just want to repeat one more time. I might say some things that embarrass you. I know I'm going to say some things that embarrass me. <laughs> it's a grown-up message about a grown-up subject. Uh, so if I say something that you say, I wish he hadn't said that in front of my child, <laughs> sorry, I gave you warning, and you can still run. Lust is the root of adultery, and we live in a society that thrives on lust and promotes it and markets it and uses it as a marketing tool. We need to recognize how dangerous this sin is, and we need to learn to avoid it and work to avoid it. So, so we're going to look first at the simple commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, we're going to go second to lust makes you guilty as adultery does, and third at the wages of sin. Okay? So first of all, I'm going to define adultery. And it sounds weird. You go, why do you need to define adultery? Because people try to justify their actions. I have heard people try to minimize adultery, and I have people try to expand it. And, and it's like, it, this is, it's simple enough. Adultery is a married person having sex with someone other than his or her spouse. That is adultery. Okay, that is, that is what it is. The other person may or may not be married. You can both be married to other people, or one of you married and one not, but, but that is the strict understanding of adultery. That's what it means, okay? We're going to start with that. We must, we must be accurate and honest, or at least I try to be, and I want to close loopholes. And, and you say, what possible loopholes all are there with this? Let's start back in, uh, I can't remember what years he was president, but many of you know the question or the statement it depends on what your definition of is, is. And, and I, for the first time ever, actually found the actual quote. And here is what our president at that time said. This is about whether or not he had had, or whether or not he told the truth about having uh, sex in the White House. It depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. If the, if he, if is means is and never has been, that is not, well, that is one thing. If it means there is none, that was a completely true statement. Now, if someone had asked me on that day, are you having any kind of sexual relations with Miss Lewinsky, that is, ask me a question in the present tense, I would have said no, and I would have been, it would have been completely true. <laughs> it's all on what your definition of the word is, is, and the grammar of the way the sentence or question was asked. Is anyone impressed by that argument or believe he was being truthful? And the answer is pretty obviously, well, you know, if you're a proper grammarian, and, but, but you see what's going on is, is the first thing I want to say about loopholes, and it should be made clear from that, is they deceive only those who want to be deceived. They don't deceive other people. They don't deceive honest people. Okay, so that's, that's the thing about loopholes. Loophole number one is if neither of you is married, it's okay. It's consensual. It's okay. And the wording of one, I want to say, you know, it may not technically be adultery at that point, but that does not mean the action is excused. Uh, it, the wording of one commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, does not remove what the Bible says in other places. Uh, because the Bible talks about other sin as well, other sexual sin as well. And I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7, by the way, is where I, I usually go when I'm talking to someone about marriage and I go to the Bible to talk about it. Unless I'm talking about getting married. 
Then I go to Ephesians 5. <laughs> and, and we're going to hit both these passages today before we're done. Okay, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, he says, Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of sexual immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. In other words, he's saying, uh, because of sexual immorality, because people commit sexual sin, it's good for people to be married. It gives you an outlet for that desire. It's good to be married so that you can handle that desire and that want. That's what he says. And in verse 8 and 9, the same chapter, but to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is, but I say to the unmarried and the widows that it is good for them to remain even as I, but if they do not have self-control, for it is better for them to marry than to burn. And then mine has in italics with passion which means the interpreter or the translator threw in the words with passion because he's trying to make sense of the word burn. Uh, and, and the Bible doesn't actually tell us, fill in that, the, the, the final, you know, uh, just describe how that burning goes. And I think the Bible was wise in that, meaning God was wise, uh, because I think it can mean a lot of things and we should consider them all. But, but he says that uh, very, there's a very clear message. Sex outside of marriage is wrong doesn't matter if it's technically adultery or not. Okay, so that's loophole number one, is, is if it's outside of marriage, if, it's, uh, if neither one is married, if it's consensual, it's okay. And my, I will say it may not technically be adultery, but it doesn't make it okay. Loophole number two, but we're in love. That's so old and so lame. It's interesting because my, my loophole, I, I start n- stop numbering them in a minute, and I have, I have as the last one, one uh, but that's so old-fashioned. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, the sin is old-fashioned. <laughs> and, it, and, and it never stops saying the answer is old-fashioned. <laughs> it's like, for, for, for how many thousands of years have people been saying, oh, but that's old-fashioned? And they don't realize that what they're doing is, is equally as old-fashioned. The, the real answer is the truth does not change. That's why it's old-fashioned. Uh, we're in love or we're going to get married. Fine. Be in love and get married. Right? And that makes it okay. Okay? Uh, but don't pretend you are before you're not. And when I say this, I'm saying this because I have, I have said this face-to-face to people. Uh, one of my standard quotes, by the way, and you may have heard me say this before and maybe you've needed to hear me say this, is if you love her enough to, to live with her, you should marry her. And if you don't love her enough to marry her, you should not live with her, right? Does that make sense? It's pretty straightforward. It's, it's pretty biblical, even though you don't find that exact quote in Scripture, right? Uh, don't pretend you are before you are, because chances are one of you is lying, maybe both of you. And you're deceiving only those who want to be deceived. It's the oldest story in the world where we're in love and we're going to get married and then she gets pregnant and he disappears. But he said he was in love, but you never got married. I'm not saying married people don't sometimes do that too, but you see what I'm saying. Loophole number three, well, my marriage was a mistake. Loophole number four, my divorce just hasn't come through yet. And, And what you find is these are all excuses made by people trying to justify their actions, and none of them do. Only other people who are also trying to justify their actions will accept them. And what we find is we are living in a world that universally accepts all excuses. Because if I can, if it accepts all excuses, then it must accept mine. 
And so to be safe, I will accept yours, no matter how bad it is. Okay, that's the world we're in. Uh, forget the loopholes. A loophole-free and workable understanding of adultery is any sex outside of marriage. That's adultery. Any sex outside of marriage fits this category, and don't do it, right? Do not commit adultery, okay? So let's get into this passage a little bit better, Matthew chapter 5, and, and we find that lust is the seed of adultery. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And by the way, you recognize this is very much directed at men. Okay? Now, I have been told that women are getting more manlike in this category, and they are more likely to look at men with lust than they used to be. Because once upon a time, women didn't do that. I mean, they, they might, I'm not saying they wouldn't find a man attractive, but, but once upon a time, men were the one with the lust of the eyes, and women had, had they fell in love. To, and this is one of the reasons why, ladies, if you have a hard time understanding this, a man can look with lust with no sense of love attached, attached to it at all. And I think a lot of women, love comes first, okay? And, and apparently that's not universal, but, but I think that's the way it once was much more and, and, and is some, some now. Uh, but, but lust is the seed of adultery. You have heard it said you shall not commit adultery. I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in, with her in his heart. I'll tell you, this is hard. You want to know why this is hard? Because, ladies, you're attractive. <laughs> you're good looking, right? Don't want to embarrass you. Embarrasses me to say it. I don't like this. This is your pastor talking up in church in front of the pulpit. We got that stinking camera up there. <laughs> I started to point down there, but it's up there now. <laughs> but I don't know how to do this without being honest, right? The opposite sex is attractive, and how can I be responsible for what pops into my head? Right? How can I hold responsibility for that? And I want to take a minute and turn to the book of James. Right? Right after the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is fairly large. It's easy to find. Go past Hebrews and there's James. If you're in 1 Peter, you passed up James. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 gives us a lesson on the progression of sin. Where does sin come from? How does it develop in a person's heart? or in a person. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But each one of us is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it has run its course, brings forth death. Okay. Now, this applies to all sin, and this word lust, lust biblically is not specifically a sexual word, but in our society, lust is almost entirely a sexual word, right? And it refers to sexual temptation. And, and we want to recognize that this is applying to all sin, but it apply, it's more, most easily applied by us to the sin of, of sexual temptation. And it happens when a person is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So guys, it's not that you look and see an attractive woman or a scantily clad woman or a woman revealingly dressed. It's that you allow yourself to be carried away by the thoughts of her, right? Uh, now, ladies, do us all, do the guys a favor and try not to throw temptation in his face, okay? Uh, we, are, we are weak individuals, 
we can we can you know make that muscle and say erg me Hulk but um, no me me uh, who's the wimpiest spider or I guess say Spider Man but but anyway the wimpy looking superhero that that's <laughs> anyway uh, carried away and enticed by his own lust and, and we it's like that explains a whole lot about the sexual sin doesn't it now when you see a person who is attractive to you, you have not sinned. They have not sinned. Nobody's done anything wrong. But when you start entertaining thoughts about that person, especially immoral thoughts about that person, that is wrong. And when you entertain them more, it gets wronger, right? And the more you entertain them, the more wrong it is. And it is the seed of, of adultery. And what you think even if it does not come out in your actions, makes who you are, right? Proverbs uh, 23.7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? You are what you dwell on. We are not, I am not the baggage that you see. I'm the inside version. He's taller, he's younger, he's better looking. <laughs> okay, that's not true. <laughs> But, but as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's what you are on the inside is what you are in reality. So, gentlemen, what you entertain is what you are. Sometimes it comes out in its actions, but not always. Matthew 15, 18 to 20, back in Matthew. Jesus is talking about sin and where it comes from, and he explains it comes from the inside. Matthew 5, verses 18 to 20. I mean, 15, verses 18 to 20. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and those things that defile the person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, acts of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies, and slanderous statements. These are the things that defile a person. But to eat with, with unwashed hands does not defile a person. Jesus is talking to them because they're saying, well, your disciples are eating without washing their hands. He goes, you guys have got to be kidding me. You're the religious leaders, and that's what you come up with, right? That a guy's got to have clean hands? Uh, let's talk about the heart. That's what matters. That's where sin comes from. It all comes from within the heart. And as we entertain these sexual things, we bring them into our hearts. We nurture them in our hearts. We grow them in our hearts. And then they come out in our actions. Sin doesn't usually start full-blown. Sin doesn't pop out that way. Most people who commit adultery do not start their marriage planning to do that. And I had to say most because you hear stories of guys who make out with someone else on their wedding day or you know, things like that, and you go, okay, there's a loser. But most people who commit, their, commit adultery start their marriage and they make those vows and they mean them, right? But they let the seed in. And they start looking, and they start thinking, they start imagining, and the seed is growing, right? That seed that you have allowed to plant into your life grows, and it becomes the act. And lust is more than a thought, it is the entertainment of that thought. It is the seed of adultery, and it is sin. And it, it, when I say it is sin, uh, it's like, yeah, it's real. So, so very important question, how do you fight Lust. Because in our world, sexual temptation is thrust at you. 
It is in your face in the media and in real life. You can't really escape it. It is so easily available for people who seek it, right? Uh, movies and TV. You, you, can, you can be watching something completely innocently, and then this commercial pops on, and you go, whoa, I do not want to see this. I do not want to hear this. Uh, you know, uh, but, there's, but there's a lot of people who especially seek out those very things. And they're looking for the movies that contain it. And they're looking for the shows that contain it. And if it doesn't contain it, they consider it weak, no, no, youth, 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 no point in watching. Internet porn is so easily available, and anyone who seeks out... I think about lingerie stands. I mean, lingerie coffee stands. Heard a story about a mom who was driving with her kids, had her son driving, and, and uh, just wanted a latte and said, pull in here, innocently <laughs> directing her son to drive into a bikini barista. <laughs> and as he, he orders the coffee before she ever looks. And then she goes, drive. <laughs> but mom, I already ordered, drive. <laughs> uh, I, I do not, you know, you can, but there are people who, I mean, why do they have those? Because there are people who will specifically go there to do their business. I'm going, that would, I, I just, I just imagine <laughs> myself and the red going, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, holy cow, could not handle that. But it's, it's hard, I mean, it's so easily available for people who do seek it. It's so hard to avoid for people who are not seeking it. You can watch a children's show on TV and see uh, that, those commercials. You can watch a movie that seems so good and nice and innocent, and all of a sudden it's not, right? Uh, internet. When I, when I do internet searches for anything, the very first thing I ever do, and, and if, you, if you go in and check my computer or my laptop or any computer of mine you ever want to look at and do a search, the search is set on safe, right? Or child or whatever it is because I'm trying to protect myself from seeing those things. But stuff still comes through. Anyway, if this is what's coming through on safe search, what in the world is coming through on the others? And, and, and I'm trying to be innocent. And women's attire, the way women dress. Sorry, ladies. I, I know most of you are really good about those things. But, but sometimes it's just like, I, I remember, I, I, I am a Monk fan. Haven't watched Monk in a while, but the show Monk, if you've never seen it. There was a Monk where there was a lady who was regular in that particular show who was exposing a lot of cleavage. And then every time someone's eyes looked at the cleavage, she would say, my eyes are up here. <laughs> She's a black lady. <laughs> you can tell. And, and, and I wanted to say, well, if you don't want someone looking, don't put them on display. <laughs> you know, that's what putting on display means. It's just like, but, but you know, it's, she couldn't hear me. <laughs> but ladies, like I said, do us a favor. You know, protect, help protect us guys. We try to be good. We try to be good, but at least some of us try to be good. But it's hard. <laughs> and so it's hard to avoid... I mean, people who are seeking it easily find it. People who are trying to avoid it are seeking it. And you can find it when you are absolutely innocent and trying to do good things. I have, I have three stories. You ready for this? I hate to scare you all. Three youth group stories. There was the girl and the bee. She was wearing one of these tops that you know kind of just hang loose. 
and a bee got in there, and suddenly this girl was topless. <laughs> and me, the youth pastor, I'm going, yep. <laughs> and yeah, someone else helped her and got her all put back together. And uh, But she was afraid of bees. We had a youth group sleepover back when I was in Spokane. And we had, you know, we did everything right. The guys, I, I slept downstairs with all the guys. Joan slept upstairs with all the girls. Everything's good. Came up in the morning to make coffee. As I'm sneaking through the kitchen because half a dozen girls are sleeping on our kitchen floor. I'm going, why are they sleeping on the kitchen floor? <laughs> it's like, find the hardest, least comfortable floor and sleep there. And, and, uh, and I look down, I go, oh, pink panties. <laughs> and and, and my, my thought is, I should reach down and cover her up. And my second thought is, I'm going as far away from that <laughs> as I possibly know how. Third story is the most was the most difficult for me by far. We were at a swimming event, and it was a place where you could swim, you could dive, you could, you know, play in the water, you could loll about in the sun. And one of our girls did this dive. It was a really good dive. I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't remember what the dive was like. I remember what happened afterwards. And uh, I, I was I was waiting for her. I was going to tell her that was a really nice dive. So she climbs out of the water with a huge smile on her face because she knew it was a nice dive, and her whole left side is entirely exposed. And no one else seemed to see it, but I saw it. <laughs> and she was clearly unaware, because she's just smiling. I did a great dive. And I thought about this in retrospect. If I was a good person who knows what to do the first time, right? hopefully the only time, but, but I'm not. I'm the guy who klutzes it up the first time. Because if, if, if I had it to do over again, and I hope I never do, <laughs> I would have quickly walked up to her and made a wall and said, please cover yourself up. But that's not what I did. Because <laughs> I wanted to, to, my mind is going 100 miles an hour, trying, and, it's, and it's not stop. And so I stood back there from about here to you know, 30 or 40 feet away, I don't know how, and I went. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes. <laughs> and I go. <laughs> and she does this. <laughs> and fixed her wardrobe malfunction. But here's the thing, is I was being absolutely innocent and trying to do good things. And she was being absolutely innocent and trying to do good things. And it happened. Now, she, by the way, did not go in the water again. She found a nice place in the sun and sat there all day. And we'd, I'd walk by because you know, I'm on patrol. That's part of what I do when I'm doing that kind of thing. And I, Hi, hi. <laughs> and as long as I knew her, here's the thing, is as long as I knew her, and it's been a while, I could not see her without, sorry, I don't know, without seeing her left breast, right? It was like burned into my retinas and my mental, yeah. And, and our relationship was never quite right. Because it's something that accidentally happened completely innocently, and but it was there. And I could not think of her without that. Now, what do you do? How do you prevent lust <laughs> when you've done everything you can to prevent 
the temptation, and there it is. You, here's, here's my point. Why am I saying all this? Because you cannot avoid situations that can create it. They will happen. You will be in the situation of temptation. And you can try to protect yourself, and you can try to stop it from happening, but, but you can't always avoid it. You are going to have to fight it. You're going to have to. And that's the first lesson, is fight it. Fight it. Uh, and, and how do you fight it? The first answer is godliness, and the first answer of godliness is run. <laughs> run from the situation. First, 2 Timothy 2.22. That is, that is, I am so glad that it's 2 Tim 2.22. <laughs> because if you can remember anything, you can remember that. 2 Tim 2.22. And, and the short version is flee youthful lust, because it says, now flee from youthless lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And, I, I, and there's something really, really important to catch with that. You don't merely flee the youthful lust, but you pursue something else. Yeah, You pursue, uh, what does it say? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Right? You pursue those things. It doesn't do you any good to try to get rid of something unless you're replacing it with something else. Because you are a vessel that's designed to hold something, and you will hold something. And if you want to get rid of something bad, you must replace it with something good. And so, and by the way, this girl taught me some things inadvertently. Uh, taught me how to deal with something like this. Because I learned that when I thought of her to pray for her, Right? And, and it's like, it's so much easier and so much better. And you never have a guilty conscience for praying for somebody. Right? At least I never have. Maybe you have. Oh, I'm so sorry I prayed for that person. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that ever happens. But the first thing is to flee youthful lusts. And as you flee them, pursue something else. And the second one is also in the book of Timothy, but this is 1 Timothy now, 1 Timothy chapter 5. And Paul is giving, writing to his young protege, to Timothy, advice on how to deal with people of all ages. But I want to especially focus on what he says about young women. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, and to the younger men as brothers, to the older women as mothers, and to the younger women as sisters in all purity. And notice the younger women is the only one he adds a, a qualifier to. Because <laughs> Timothy, the young man, has got man issues. I talked to one man once who says, I've never looked at another woman with lust. Can I tell you he was an unusual man? <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're, we, we do that. It's part of how we are. He says, look at younger women as sisters in all purity. And what you do is you go from thinking like a predator to thinking like a protector. I remember a guy I knew in high school. He was a few years older than me. And uh, he was definitely not a good role model. But he had a younger sister. And he was always after women, always after women. And then one day he ta told me how he would beat the snot out of some guy if he did anything with his sister. And I said, but you're the guy who's always going after other girls. He says, yeah, but this is my sister. <laughs> I said, well, you know, those other women are all somebody's sister too. He says, it doesn't matter. This one's my sister. <laughs> he didn't see the inconsistency of what he was doing. You, you're either a predator or a protector. You're the sheepdog or you're the wolf. Uh, you're the shepherd or you're the thief. Be the shepherd. Be the protect, because that's how you are with your sister. You will protect your sister, right? Ladies, young ladies with brothers, 
Just so you know, your brothers, someone messes with you and your brother sees it, he will, he will deal with it. Because that's what, he may, you may not think he will, right? You may not realize he will, but he will. Uh, he, will he will deal with that, okay? Let's think like a, pre, a protector, not a predator. And those same thoughts that when you looked at her as prey and were exciting to you, when you think of her as your sister, are repugnant to you. Yuck, that's my sister, <laughs> right? Is your sister ugly? No. Is she pretty? I don't know. I've never thought of her. She's my sister, <laughs> right? Because that's what sisters are. You don't think about your sister being pretty or ugly. She's your sister. It's like she doesn't count. She's not like a real person, <laughs> right? I have four sisters. Uh, instead of praying on them, you pray for them. So you avoid temptation in practical ways as much as you can, as much as it is up to you, but recognize that it is a battle. Okay? It is a battle that you must fight if you're going to win. Think about a garden. Right? I hate to garden. You know why I hate to garden? Because of those stinking weeds. Imagine if you could weed once and be done. You know, I might garden if I could weed once and be done, but you can't because the weeds come back and come back and come back. And if you want to have a good garden, you have to keep on weeding. Right? Guys, you want to have victory over life. And ladies, as much as this applies to you, you know if I'm speaking to you or not. Uh, as much as this applies to you, same thing's true. You don't, you don't do this once. This is a constant struggle. Until you stop finding yourself tempted, yet you keep on fighting temptation. It's, it's just what you have to do. Because lust makes you guilty. And because you are guilty, uh, I'm not sure what I made with that note. It says, uh, we're going into this discussion of the penalty, the wages of sin, the wages of sin, and Jesus talks about hell. And if you have a red-letter Bible, this is in red letters, and it is the words of Jesus, and Jesus speaks a lot about hell. Now, if your right eye is causing you to sin, very appropriate in relation to lust, if your right eye is causing you to sin, tear it out and throw it away from you. In other words, don't, don't tear it out and think you're going to pop it back in. <laughs> don't tear it out with qualifications. Tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand is causing you to sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. For it is better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. If your right eye causes you to sin, Jesus is not teaching that we should gouge out our eyes. Okay, That's not what he's after. He's not saying, go chop off your hands. He doesn't want us all walking around blind and helpless. Uh, that's not what he's seeking. But he is telling us how terrible the wages of sin are. Because we don't acknowledge that. He says, better to do that than to go to hell. And the Bible teaches so clearly that hell is real. Jesus teaches hell is real. And it is terrible. It is so terrible that it would be better to chop off your hands and gouge out your eyes than to go there. And I don't know what you think about the thought of chopping off your hands or gouging out your eyes, but I think I'd fight really hard to prevent that from happening. But it would be better to, go to, to do that than to go to hell. And once again, Jesus is teaching us that the sin of lust, sin of, sin of lust, just like he was talking last time about murder and anger, the sin of lust is enough to merit eternal punishment. So if you're going to rate sins in a hierarchy, you know, worse sins to, 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 to lesser sins, the actual physical adultery is worse than 
imagined adultery or entertaining the temptation. It is worse. But if we're rating them not by what is worse compared to each other, by what is bad enough to send you to hell, then this is equally as equally bad enough. It is equally it makes you equally guilty enough to go to hell. If, it, if we're talking about rating it in terms of what we cannot afford to pay, we cannot afford to pay either one. They are out of our reach. And here's, I'm, I know I'm talking to people, mostly Christian people. By some chance you're not saved, you're going, man, I'm in serious trouble. Yes, you are. Fortunately for us, we have a Savior that we've talked about quite a bit today. Thank you, Mike, uh, who, who died on the cross to pay for our sins with his own blood so that we can have the gift of eternal life and deliverance from that. So then you go, well, I'm hell free, so I don't care. Hell free is in free of temptation, risk of going to hell, because I have Jesus. My sin doesn't matter. I want to tell you that you may be hell proof, but you're not consequence proof. God is not impotent saying, man, if I hadn't saved him, I could straighten him out. <laughs> and if you think God is like that, I don't want to tell you to put him to the test. I want to tell you don't. <laughs> but you might make me laugh if you do, because <laughs> I get to see what he does. There's all sorts of ways you pay for this sin. Next week is on, a, on divorce. And I thought about making them one together because it talks about adultery in there as well. But it start, stands alone. He starts out with the same formula. I, it was said, and here's what I say. He, he starts out with the same formula, and so I want to keep it separate. There are all sorts of ways you pay for this sin. Marriage and relationship challenges. Your marriage can be destroyed. It can certainly be damaged. Other relationships can be destroyed or damaged, both for you and for those you love. And a wandering eye is not as subtle as you think it is. Right? Your eye does this. Your wife knows you're looking at that waitress <laughs> or whoever. You're not sneaky as you think you are. And it's embarrassing to you and it's offensive to her. Right? You have a loss of respect. Someone gets a reputation as a womanizer, dirty old man. Nobody respects you. Your friends don't respect you. People who don't like you don't respect you. It can cost you money. Porn is, is, is expensive, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, shame. The shame you feel. Yeah, because... Here's the reality. Like I say, you, 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 can't, you, you, can't, you can think you're doing this in secret. You think, it's, like, it's like the guy who buys his booze at the liquor store in the brown bag and thinks nobody knows what he's got, right? Uh, you're not hiding near so much or so well as you think you are. And the shame when you realize that people know who you are and what you've done. Just in case you, you, you're seeking refuge and thinking that salvation gives you a license to sin, don't be so foolish, right? I just, last week, I said, anybody who says to his brother, you fool, is subject to hell. Well, I'm sorry, don't be such a fool as to think you can get away with that. We live in a society that tells you the exact opposite of what I'm telling you today. We live in a society that throws it in your face, that markets sexual desire, and it is a hard place to be pure. But misdirected, Sexual desire is a dangerous thing. Avoid it, flee it, fight it. And when it targets you, don't just run from it, run to God. 
And there's your solution, your protection. Let's pray. Father God, I know that this is a difficult subject and a hard one to deal with. And I know that as last week I wondered who would that one ever speak to this week, I suspect it's speaking to an awful lot of people. I ask you to help us to live more godly lives, to be effective and pure and righteous. Let us walk with you free from this sin. We pray in Jesus' name.